Good morning, everyone, Good morning. wherever you are. We're out here, those of us who are here, specifically to immerse ourselves in the ocean of all beings. We're listening to the Dharma of ourselves and each other. And with all the beings, the seen, the unseen, the sentient, the insentient, the large, the very small, they're all here. Usually when we have a session, we work to make it as simple as possible. So all one does is sit and experience being. So the schedule is um, set in a, in a familiar pattern from one retreat to another and the feeding is taken care of by all of us and it's possible to just sit and ride the schedule right to enlightenment. That's the way we usually do session. In this session, we've done kind of the same schedule in that we have um, morning zazen and morning service and breakfast and dharma talk, but we've changed it up by doing a lot of it outdoors, which I feel is an advanced practice. So, so kudos to those of you who are new and you've made it this far. <laughs> We keep adapting to respond to the rain, to the heat. And um, I think it's, it's, it's advanced. Yesterday, Maite gave a Dharma talk and she gave us some words about the sentience of plants and our relation to them. And um, it was so beautiful. I hope we all have the opportunity to hear it again. She said that if you were to stand on the moon and look back at the earth, it would probably look blue and white. But here, when we're on the earth, we look out and we see green. And we take the green for, advan uh, for granted. But our relationship with the green is so fundamental. And our awareness of that is, is part of the awakening. And the, the plants are most definitely sentient beings. We also chanted um, writings of the Zen master Dogen Zenji, who is our founder of the Soto um, Zen lineage that we are practicing in. And um, the writings go back to the 13th century. And sentient and sentient beings expound the Dharma, he writes again and again. In our Zen tradition, we have a story that uh, said to have taken place 2,500 years ago in the, the life of the Buddha, where the Buddha, well, let me read it from a thousand-year-old book called The Gateless Gate. This is a bit of the story called Case 6, the Buddha holds out a flower. When Shakyamuni Buddha was at Vulture Peak, he held out a flower to his listeners. Everyone was silent. Only Maha Kashyapa broke into a broad smile. The Buddha said, I have the true Dharma eye, the marvelous mind of Nirvana, the true form of the formless and the subtle Dharma gate. 
independent of words and transmitted beyond doctrine, I have entrusted to Mahaya. This I have entrusted to Maha Kashchapa. We can say this event is ordinary and it's extraordinary. We can say it's extraordinary because it's the official origin story of Zen, the independent of words transmitted beyond doctrine. Independence of words and transmitted beyond doctrine. So that was a big day in our history. But what is more ordinary than holding up a flower, right? Who among us has probably not held up a flower to a grandparent or friend? And it's happening every day. Somebody somewhere is holding up a flower right now, right? It's very ordinary. In fact, all things raise a flower. All things raise the flower and they raise each other. And that's the theme of this retreat. Now, can we live in accord with it? We chanted the self-receiving and employing samadhi, which is uh, a writing of Dogen Zenji. There's a passage that says, grass, trees, lands, which are embraced by this teaching, together radiate a great light and endlessly expound the inconceivable profound dharma. Grass, trees, and walls bring forth the teaching for all beings, common people, as well as sages. So what are some examples of this ordinary, extraordinary transmission beyond words? endlessly expound by the land, etc. Yesterday, when we were walking in the forest, uh, we came up on a large possum that was foraging under a tree. Sally saw it. Did anybody else see the possum? We got pretty close, maybe 20 feet, and it didn't see us coming. Um, possums are known to not have very good hearing and not very good sight. I think apparently they have good smell but it was ignorant of us being there. And I didn't want to get too close without it knowing. So I kind of clicked my tongue like, and it hurt it. And so I saw its head come up and I saw its senses engage with, you know, us, what it saw. And it made contact. And in an instant, I could see Something happened next, like what we we say in the um, the wheel of consciousness and becoming the um, dependent co arising name and form. But um, maybe a possum doesn't really give a name, but it definitely was assessing like big animals too close, not food, uh, making eye contact. It was making assessments. And then that generated a feeling in the possum. And I'm extrapolating from the own, observing the way that it happens in myself. In Buddhism, a feeling is either good, bad, or neutral, like pleasurable, painful, or neutral. And evidently, the feeling generated by the contact with us was not good <laughs> because it hustled off. And um, that, that moment of contact with the possum 
I feel was similar to the recognition of flower being held. Does it feel like a stretch? <laughs> so the forest is raising the flower of the possum. And the field is raising the flower of the wildflowers. And the field was raising the flower of the lightning bugs the other evening when we were sitting on the deck. And the lightning bugs are raising the flower of themselves. And Tim, our flower here, saw a box turtle on the path and moved that flower, raised that flower off the path. And um, there are endless examples of this ordinary raising of the flower. Oh, even the neighbor who was shooting off his gun yesterday was raising a flower. And I find it very hard to smile. It's a difficult one. So we hold up a flower for him, the neighbor. He practices target practice and we practice Buddhism. And so we're filling the air with the sound of a bell instead of gunshots to bring us together and peace and harmony. I like our way. What about the insentient beings we have referred to? These insentient beings who expound the dark Dharma without ceasing for one moment. What is insentience? We touched on it yesterday with Maite's Dharma talk. Is it being inanimate? Um, like a piece of wood or a pebble? Those things are animate, maybe not in a way that we can see. Um, think of um, like uh, wind and water eroding a block of granite into a smooth pebble and molecules dancing and the inanimate minerals that are incorporated into the good food that Royce has been feeding us and incorporating it into our bodies. These insentient inert things are not insentient because they're inanimate. Think about that block of granite that's in the garden over by the kitchen. It's about the size of a picnic table and um, it's good to sit on with a cup of tea. And on it is another piece of granite about the size of a watermelon. I think you all have seen it, but for those of you who are um, in Houston, I'm going to paint the portrait of it. And it's it's smooth, like a watermelon. They don't have feelings, do they? these two rocks that are sitting together in relation with themselves and whoever comes to sit on them and the garden and this ocean of beings. They don't have feelings, but they are expounding the Dharma to us. They can communicate. 
What do they say? Well, if we look at them, we might say something about geology and volcanic activities and wearing away over time into sand. We could think about the past and the future, and we could even think about garden design. But these are all things that we impose on the rocks themselves. So what are they speaking? They're speaking just being. If we learn from the rocks, observe the rocks and learn from them, we won't be acting like rocks because that would be acting, right? Not just being. If we understand the dharma of the rocks, we'll be fully human, we'll be fully partaking in our lives and just being. We'll be immersed in the ocean of all beings, responding with compassion. And that's the most ordinary and extraordinary thing, just being. When Maite and I, when Maite first approached me about having this uh, retreat together, there was a kind of some momentum and, and a, a desire to um, have a, a retreat out here on the land to alleviate the suffering of people who feel separated from being in nature and the suffering of all beings who are impacted by people who don't live as if they're in a a um, interconnected relationship with all beings so that what they do to others happens to themselves as well. So we wanted to, to, to free all beings, of course, and help provide a way. And we looked at the teachings of Joanna Macy and Rebecca Solnit and others who have been doing work, deep work in this realm. And um, so ultimately, as you can see, we We've gone to the teachings of our founder, Dogen Zenji, and beyond for the foundation of this retreat and our study today. So whether you hear the endless dharma of the rocks or if you kind of struggle with that message, I believe you can't feel separate from nature and from life if you're sitting under a tree and you're experiencing the persistence of a little green, shiny green um, jumping spider that wants to repel to the top of your head, no matter what you think about it. <laughs> this is life responding to life. So may you raise the flower of your life wherever you are, and see that all beings smile. <laughs>